Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions discussing the stories, goals, and dreams of real estate investors and agents across the country pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we are pleasure to have PJ Riley with Land Life. PJ, would love to kick it off with a story, man. Could you just tell us one of your craziest or most interesting real estate transactions you've experienced? Yeah. So, you know, I buy and sell land. I send out a lot of, uh, you know, mail, direct mail to people. So um, a lot of times, you know, you send out about 10,000 letters per month, right? So they don't always come back positively, right? You know, you send out these offer letters and they're not always the happiest, nicest responses. Um, so, I mean, there's a few I've had, uh, you know, people say they're going to, they're going to come to my house. They're going to kill me. They're going to find me. They're going to shoot me. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, the other day I had one where, um, a woman told me, I mean, she, we talked for, for, she kind of introduced herself and then told me that her husband's coming to my house and he's going to break my knees with a baseball bat. So I was like, ah, all right. Um, mostly like that. Sounds like he might be Dan Campbell's brother from the Detroit lions. Busting your yeah. kneecaps. I mean, it, it is very possible because uh, this this lady was pretty serious. I mean, not she didn't really show up. Nobody ever showed up to the house, but she was pretty serious. Um, I had uh, I got offered a uh, to go out with an older lady, older older lady, um, and uh, she she asked me if uh, she would sell me the property. I would go out with her. Um, yeah, uh, she was really. What's that? Did you go out with her? No, I did not go. Out. Did did you did you? Oh. Do that? Oh. No, no. Uh, she was out of state and she was, she told me she's much, much older than me. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a married guy. I'm probably not going to work out. So I did not buy her property, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I get a lot of interesting responses from people. We had a guy, uh, we tried to buy a property that was actually really pretty decent. The seller was fine. So I sent a guy to go out and take pictures of this property. And these neighbors are sitting on a porch across the street. Well, the, my camera guy, my photographer's looking around and he's, he's like getting ready to go into the property. This is vacant land. He's got to cross a gate pretty much, open up the gate, walk in, no big deal. These guys come at him with shotguns. And yeah, so then he gets me on FaceTime. He's like, ah, these guys are coming after me. What do I do? And they're, they're screaming and yelling. And I'm like, let me talk to these guys. And so I start talking to them. I calm them down and they put the guns away and they go inside. I told him, like, you got to get out of there though. Uh, he had to take off. Interesting though. I had a different guy. Now this guy buys a lot of properties from me. He's got a bigger shotgun and he, he's a big Texas dude, big old guy. I told him about my problem. He goes, yeah, I'll take care of this for you. I'm like, all right. He calls up the local sheriff, him and this big old local sheriff show up. They got bigger guns. Those same guys pop out. They pull their guns on these guys. Uh, the guys that live across the street back down, never responded again. They were told you better never ever, harass anybody that comes onto this property again. There we go. Crazy. Man. I love these stories. And, you know, I just love how real estate presents these opportunities that, I mean, obviously there's other industries that have crazy things going on too, but I was not prepared getting into real estate for the level of craziness that I was going to experience. So tell us about your life before real estate, like what was going on and what led you to get into this business? Yeah. So let's go back just a little bit further than that even. So I was, you know, my dad was in the military. We lived all over the world, bounced around from country to country, um, landed in Denver, 
So I got, a, I was in high school and college here in Colorado. Um, got out of both with a, with a 2.0. So, I mean, I was killing it academically. My careers, I was lawyer, doctor, you know, something big was in my future, right? So uh, I got out of both of those. I was like, all right, what the hell do I do? I tried a ton of different uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, insurance. Um, I tried to be a professional fighter. I was a professional fighter for a while. Um, tried to, I tried this business. So check this out. Uh, my buddy gets pulled over, right? He gets a, a speeding ticket and he gets taken to jail because he had a previous warrant, right? For, for another speeding ticket, crazy enough. So he comes back and he's like, man, I got this idea. We got to put credit card readers in police cars so that we can pay our ticket when we get pulled over. So I was like, cool, great idea. You know, you know how it is guys when we're, when you're all, your, your brain's always thinking when you're an entrepreneur. So I was like, let's do it, man. We got started. We had uh, two really big vendors, um, well-known banks that you would know if I mentioned their names. Uh, unfortunately it didn't work out or I'd be talking to you about my really awesome credit card reader business. Uh, so nobody wanted to do that. No cop wanted to put a credit card reader in his car, which I completely understand. Um, so yeah, bounced around from a ton of different ideas. Uh, tried a bunch of stuff. And then, you know, one day I'm at work and my buddy's like, hey, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You should, in, uh, you should buy and sell in Detroit. You, know, you can buy these houses for a dollar. So I was like, a dollar? You can buy a house for a dollar? Sweet. I go on the same place you go to find literally everything in life. You go to YouTube, right? I get on YouTube, man. I'm, I'm on YouTube. I'm like, all right, buy a house for a dollar in Detroit. This is a great idea, right? I mean, I got, I got like $10. I can buy 10 houses. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Cool. And, uh, and, and I get through the research and I'm like, dude, this is way harder than it sounds. You know, like we talked about earlier, they're going to be taking the cop. You know, if, even if I buy a house, I fix it up. I put some cool stuff in there. That thing's going to be gutted by midnight, right? They're going to have the copper wire out. All my uh, appliances are going to be ripped out and, and I'm not going to stand there and try to defend that thing. <clears throat> so during the course of I could find my sheriff. I know, dude, I should, I should have, if I would have had that guy, I might've been all right. I don't know though. Detroit's a little bit worse than some of the areas I invest in though. So yeah, yeah. It ain't, it ain't real vacant land. So during the course of my research, I find this guy and he's talking about buying and selling land. And I was like, dude, that's super interesting. So I get about halfway through the video and I'm like, I, I know what I'm doing. I got this. So I jump on Zillow right now. I had about 1100 bucks, 1200 bucks cash in a little envelope from a previous business idea, right? I go on Zillow and this guy's selling two properties about two hours south of me. Each one is 1100 bucks. Now I've gone about halfway through this video and I kind of get the idea. You're supposed to lowball these guys, right? So I message this guy. And I'm like, I'll give you 1100 bucks for both of your properties, right? So instead of 1100 bucks each, 1100 bucks for both of them. He's like, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And I was like, uh, remember, I've only gotten halfway through this video. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was like, um, what do we do now? And he's like, don't sweat it, man. 1100 bucks. What do we do? He's like, uh, send me a check. I'll do the deed. It'll be done. So I do. I send him a check. He, uh, you know, he writes up the deed, sends it to the county. County returns it to me. And I own these two properties. I was like, that's amazing. And that's kind of what got me started in the, in the land business and kind of got to me, me to the point where we're at right now. That's so cool. Before we dive into the business, I want to back up here because we're heavy on mindset because I think there's so many people that have the ability to do this at a high level, 
that get caught up before they ever even get started. You get a 2.0 GPA, right? I mean, that's, that's not, you know, uh, you're not writing home about a 2.0 GPA. Then you go out, you have some entrepreneurial failings, right? And so what's your mindset? Like right now I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing you and we were on your podcast and it's like, you're this happy, confident guy. Has that always been the case? And if so, how did, were you confident through these, some of these, you know, things? And if not, like, what did you do to get there? Yeah. So I was not confident. Let's say during high school, no confidence at all. Right. I would just throw myself into stuff. You know, I would just, and, and it was, maybe it was dumb luck, I guess. I would just literally throw myself into things and I was not at, in any way confident um, as a young man. Uh, but as I got older and I progressed, I started to realize, just do that more. Just throw yourself into things. Try stuff. Maybe it fails. Maybe it doesn't. But I think the idea is that if you don't try something, you'll never know. You know. And so when I got out of high school, I was um, I I, I, I go to college, right? And I joined this this gym, and they're like, it's a fighting gym, a kickboxing gym. And I was like, so we get, we're working out and stuff, and they're like, hey guys, we have fights in six weeks. Who wants to do it? And I was like, I do. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, I do. And so jumped in and did it. I had zero skills, no idea what I was doing, went in there and did it. And you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But my mindset has always been just give it a shot. See what happens, man. You know, you never know until you try something. Now, as you do that over and over and over, you progressively get more confident. And you start to build up a few more skills to where, you know, it's not necessarily just me throwing myself into random things nowadays. You know, it's, you know what, I have this skill. I I took this skill from this business. I took this failure from this business and I put them all into one. And, And now I'm this, I guess, this package that wasn't there previously, right? Yeah, what a fantastic answer. I love, love, love the details that you went into there and how specific you were. Just throw yourself into things. I think that is... Um, one of the most amazing ways to figure out what you're good at, right, is by figuring out what you're not good at, too. I mean, you have to identify both of those things at the same time. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, while you were throwing yourself into all of these projects, how did you define when it wasn't the right project for you? That's a good question. Oof, that's good, man. Because I didn't a lot of times. I would do things sometimes too long. You know, I would, um, so I remember one time I was doing direct sales and I would just, I did it and it was failing miserably, but I just kept going and going and going. I was like, no, you just have to do more. Right. It's like, no, sometimes that's not the smartest thing to do is just keep going. Even when it's obviously a failure. Um, so nowadays, uh, I've, I've definitely gotten better. Like I said, you get better over time. Um, if it's not working pretty quickly. I would say within the first few months, three, four months, if I have an idea and, and I have like, and a lot of times it's all real estate nowadays, you know, but if it's not working, if that particular deal or um, maybe real estate niche is not working, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm out immediately. You, we, we, you only have so much time on this earth, you know, um, you only have so much time to make decisions. Uh, and and I don't, I'm, I'm an older guy now, you know, I got kids. If it's not working, I'm out. Super solid. Three to four months, putting it in hard. If it's not producing, and let's kind of define that a little bit. So when you're saying it's not working, you're just meaning you're not seeing traction towards the goal, right? Not that you've hit the goal, but like 
if you're seeing positive steps forward, maybe you give it another three months or so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times you'll go in with a, with a specific battle plan and a lot of times, and nowadays I use, um, uh, help. I get help, right? I, I, I call guys. So let's say I want to do an Airbnb deal, right? I'll find a guy who already knows how to do Airbnb, right? I'll find a guy, Hey man, how do I do it? What's step one? What's step two? Sometimes you got to pay these guys. You know, sometimes you got to pay for help, which is, which is perfectly fine if you want to get to that, that end goal, right? So I'll get these guys in, I'll find out the strategy, the right way to do things, and then I'll jump right in. And, um, you know, if it's not producing income or if I'm not securing deals that really match my criteria, I can only go for so long, right? So, I mean, I go in with a decent battle plan nowadays, but, um, you know, you know, it would have to be making some money or at least securing deals that I know will make money down the road. You basically got into the concept right there of like who, not how, right? So, I mean, basically you're just like, oh, I need to find the guy that already knows how to do this and have him show me how to do it. And then I'm going to do it. And then you just go in there. I'm, I'm guessing just based off of your energy, I'm guessing that you're the type of guy that goes at something 130%. You probably go on mad sprints, right? You're going to give this a three to four month mad sprint. You don't see the traction. Let's try something out. Absolutely. Yeah. If um, I, and, and I, I like getting, finding mentors in every field, right? So coaches, mentors, and, and they're not always like, they're not like a person I sit down and, you know, write notes from all the time, but you know, it's sometimes it's just a, a, a buddy that knows something that I don't know. Right. And, you know, uh, you'll go in there and ask him, so you know, how do I do this? Should I move right? Or should I move left? You know, all these different strategies. And it's like a cheat code for life, having a mentor, you know, you, um, where it's like a video game, right? You know, it's, you have this cheat code that shoots you to the final level. Uh, and that's kind of what, what a mentor is, you know, they're going to help you get past all these, especially the initial, uh, roadblocks to any business. Totally. And they help you set your criteria. I, I know my first mentor, Joshua Smith was played a fundamental role in my growth in the business. And he told me straight up, he goes, Matt, your first year, you need to do 250,000 in GCI gross commission income, 500,000 in your second year and a million in your third year. And I didn't know any different. Okay. Well, there's my measuring stick. And so, you know, I mean, you, and you set a lot of times you perform to the goals and the standards that you set. And so we did. And, and it's like that obviously cheat codes is a huge part of it. They can also define for you what success is in the space so that you could save yourself. Yeah. Love that you went on the mentor. Yeah. It's a, such a huge thing. That, that is a great point. They can push you in a trajectory um, that they already know exists as far as what success is in this industry. You know, you didn't even know when you were first starting, like what's GCI? I, what does that mean? You know, but they tell you and you go this direction to get it. You're like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I joke about it now because when I talked to him, I went and hung out with him for a week and I'm like, why in the heck did you not just tell me 500, 1 million, 2 million, you know, would have went faster. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. Sure. Um, I want to jump into the video game metaphor because I think life in general is kind of a video game. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that because um, let's say you're playing a really hard game, right? I don't know if you game now, but when I was a kid, I would play some, I would play a level for like four hours and I would constantly lose, but eventually I would figure it out and I would win. And it's like, once you make the correlation that life is literally the same thing, you could fail repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, but as long as you keep going, you'll get there eventually. Right? So 
I mean, I, I think that's an amazing metaphor in general, the video game thing, especially for thinking like RPG. I like to think in terms of experience points, like fake experience points. Like whenever I'm on the phone with somebody, I'm like, I'm gaining experience right now. Um, I, I just I think that's like a valuable way to look at your life. If you look at your life through that lens, I think um, you could just really shift your perspective. Well, I think it's interesting because our school system runs so counter to that, right? Like you go to the school system, the school system is like, you can't cheat. You can't look on anybody else. Nothing's really collaborative. It's all on your own based on your own merits. And I think there sometimes could be some ingrained psychology of like, you know, I have to do this, whether your parents are instilling that or the school system is. And then you go out in the world and it's like all the resources are available to you. Like your clients aren't going to blame you for cheating off of your your realtor colleague or your land life colleague for helping you get a land deal, right? Like it's it's the complete opposite. It's encouraged. It's, it's encouraged. Yeah, it's absolutely encouraged. In school, if I were to, you know, to ask a, my, my neighbor the answers to the test, um, oh my gosh, you can't do that. That's horrible. You know, you failed. You're out of here. But if you do it in the real world, um, you know, it's encouraged. It's smart. It's a, it's a good idea to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go get a mentor. Like, it's like you get to pay the teacher, you know? Freaking awesome, man. So, so you get in this business and you buy two properties for 1100 bucks and tell us what happens from there. Yeah. So, um, I put them on, uh, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to sell the, the property. So I did finish the guy's video. I finished this guy's video and I'm like, all right, now I got to sell these things. So I go onto Craigslist. Can I pause you for a second? You took action. Like, I, I think this is, needs to be emphasized. You took action off of one fraction of one video like the analysis paralysis does not exist with you. That is so cool. Like, I just want everybody to like emphasize on this fact. You've watched one section of one course and you bought two properties. Like freaking kudos to you, man. Yeah. And, and remember, there's nothing special about me at all. A 2.0 GPA. I'm an average looking dude. I, I have average skills in everything. I mean, as far as like, um, there's nothing special about me. My parents didn't have money. You know, I don't have any friends or family that were like, all right, here's what you do. And here's what you do. And you know, it was just, I was like, screw it. Why not? What do I got to lose? So next step, I sold these things on Craigslist. I think I bought them for 550 each. I sold them for 1500 each on Craigslist, maybe a week later. And Hey man, I was like proof of concept. Boom. That's it works. This thing works. Let's do it. Uh, so from there, oh man, you have to like, <laughs> so I, I had to start sending out letters, right? So I'm like, I can't keep going into Zillow to buy these things. Cause that's never going to work. You know, I, there's not only so many properties on Zillow. So I'm like, I got to mail letters to the, to the sellers. So people who own property out there in the world, I have to send them a physical letter and, and I'm going to do it with an offer price on there. And, uh, and that's how I'm going to get my deals. So initially I was doing it at these handwritten letters and dude, they were terrible. They were so bad. Um, I had people calling me just to laugh at the letters. They're like, this is the worst thing. And I didn't know. I didn't know the terminology. I had no concept of what to do. But I was like, if you would like to sell your land to me, I'm very interested. My name's PJ Riley. I mean, I was like a, I was like a, I was like a, like a third grader writing this letter, right? So they were terrible. So I'm like, all right, got to get better at these. These are, these are awful. And, and the markets let me know they're awful. However, I got, I think, eight deals out of that first batch of letters uh, of the same. There, yeah. Eight letter, eight deals that were just terrible. Um, uh, and... So for, yeah, from there, I would, I started scaling it, you know, I started scaling the letters. I, I have now a letter printing company. Um, you know, I, I do like, uh, I have virtual assistants now. I just kind of progressed 
you know, little by little by little. I mean, I've been at this for over seven years. So I progressed little by little by little, added things in, figured out what does work, what doesn't work, found some mentors, found some people that could help me, you know, add things in. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. I send out around 10,000 letters a month uh, on, on offers for properties. And, uh, you know, I get a, I'm not really doing a ton of $550 deals anymore, but uh, it, it's absolutely amazing that you can still do that today. If you were to send out letters and offer 550 bucks on a property, uh, you could, you, you're going to get, uh, you know, a lot of accepted responses somewhere in the country. And what's really interesting is you mentioned that you don't even have to be good when you get started, as long as you're doing it, like you got laughed at, you got laughed out of town, but you still got eight deals. So, I mean, you don't even have to be good if you're doing the right activities, which is amazing. I think you are literally the poster child for imperfect action. Um, you're taking massive imperfect action and I love that, but I am also a massive imperfect action taker. So I know for a fact that this has probably led to some challenges for you. So let's go Let's get into that. Like what kind of challenges did you run into because of all the imperfect massive action that you were taking? Yeah, so remember, I, I know nothing. I have, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Um, so as far as, um, you know, the letters were bad. Um, now, now when I, when I would get a property, how do I sell it? Do I have a contract? Do I like, cause a lot of times I'm selling these properties on owner financing as well. So I am basically the bank on that deal. I had to figure all that out on my own. You know, I, I didn't know how to do that. So I had to call people. Hey, man, how do I do this? How do I do that? Uh, another big issue I ran into is land isn't depreciable. You know, that's the downside of land. That's it. That's what that's the that's the problem. You know, you, you can't take my land. You're not my, my land's not probably not going to burn down. Um, you can take some dirt, maybe. Uh, but as far as like a real downside is, it's not depreciable. So when taxes come around, you're getting hit. You know, you're getting hit pretty hard. And I didn't know that. I had no idea about that. So my first year comes around where I actually had a decent year and my accountant's like, yeah, you owe us a lot of money. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, no, I made a lot of money. It was great. They're like, no, man, you owe us a ton of money. You owe the IRS a ton of money. So I'm like, ah, dang it. So I had to pay you know, a bunch in taxes. That's, that's one, that was one of the biggest challenges um, to figure out. Another thing was, I thought about this the other day too. Um, I was getting really good at low dollar deals. You know, I was getting really good at that. And it was nice. It was really fun to be kind of like an expert in that field. You know, to have people tell me, man, you're really good at this. You know, uh, how do I do this? They were asking for help on these smaller properties, right? Now, if I, I have big goals, I have huge goals. If in order to get to the level I want to be at, I got to play in a new sandbox, right? So the sandbox I was in, it sounded great. It was looking good. It was fun. I was doing really well. But in order to get better and to get the real goals I want, I got to be up there, man. I got to be playing with the big boys. So that was one big challenge. Um, you know, I mean, and, and when you move from the smaller properties and the smaller deals to the bigger deals, I mean, you're mailing to a completely different area now. You're talking to completely different people. You know, the, um, the, the intellectual level bumps up big time. You know, these guys know what they're talking about now. You know, when you got, you know, a thousand acres out in some, uh, somewhere, that guy, the seller there is talking to you a lot different than the quarter acre guy in Arizona, um, if that makes sense. So I had to up my game big time. That was a big challenge for me because like, I was just like, I'm here, right? I think I got it. So 
uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of there now, but it was, um, it was definitely a challenge when I, when I was first doing it. Crazy. Just like reflecting on your story, you mailed a check to somebody. They could have just cashed the check and know, moved on about their life. I thought about that so much. I didn't even tell my wife. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say anything to her, dude. I got 1100 bucks right now in cash. I was like, you know, <laughs> we're just going to make this happen and see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Like, I appreciate the story so much. I got taken, yeah. I got taken for a couple of grand early in life before I got into business. And, uh, oh man, it just brings joy to my, yeah, to see that kind of action being taken. Um, so, so the, the big challenges of course were the taxes as you're mentioning, and then it's like this element of, of leveling up. And so what was your process for overcoming those challenges? The same just continuing to throw yourself at it or, you know, how, how did you continue to improve? Yeah. So, um, if people don't know you, they're not going to do business with you. Right. So I had to get out there. I had to start meeting more people. Uh, and I don't want to say bigger or better people, but, um, bigger in the real estate world people, right. You know, they're, when you meet them, they're no different than everybody else. They're the, they're average dudes, women, they're, they're, they're the regular people. Um, but I had to meet these people. I had to find out who they were, where they hang out. Um, so I joined mastermind groups. You know, I found the biggest mastermind group I could find. Um, it was, had, had the guys that I wanted to, uh, to be like, and I joined it and there was like an acceptance process. You have to write, you know, uh, basically a letter, um, explaining why you want to do it. And it's, it's a, it's a long process, but got accepted in somehow. So, um, when I got in there, I was around people that were all eight figure guys, you know, so they were able to explain to me, um, like I said, Chico for life, man. Uh, you know, but like I said, if you don't know people, if you don't know people, you're just not going to get ahead in, in, in this game. You really got to get out there and try to meet, um, bigger, bigger dogs in the game. Yeah. Without a doubt. Your network is your net worth. I mean, that's like such a cliche at this time, but it is the truest thing I've ever heard too. It's just like the more awesome people you meet, um, I think there's a real clear reason why too, because when you're, when you're meeting and you're communicating with these really high level people, these people tend to work from an abundance mindset because they know two things, right? Number one, they know that 95% of people, they could tell them all the secrets, but they're not going to do the work. Right. And number two, it's like, they already made it too. Right. So it's like, what are you going to do? Take it from me. So, I mean, your network is obviously your net worth. So let's kind of like, you got into this mastermind, like how else did you, what other strategies did you use to expand your network? Yeah, sure. So, um, go to meetup.com, go to meetup.com and find local real estate meetup groups. So walk in those rooms. Uh, a lot of times they're at a bar or at a restaurant or something like this, walk in and just start talking to people. And that's what I did, uh, almost immediately. And I've been doing it ever since I've been doing that for quite a few years now. Um, I would just jump into these, these meetup groups and say, you know, you walk into a room and you can tell, you can kind of tell who the players are and kind of who's just there to hand out their business card. Um, so you walk in and I just met everybody. I just introduced myself as a guy who really wasn't, didn't know much, you know, I was super humble about it, especially initially, you know, you don't want to be the guy that walks in the room and says, hi, I'm, I've done $1 billion in deals and I'm better than you. Like nobody wants to talk to that guy. So you walk in as a normal human being, introduce yourself, ask them what they do. Other people like talking about themselves. Ask them what they do, and they're going to tell you. And I did that every single week for, for years. And it, I start to build a network. 
right? To where, uh, you know, I went to a, a meetup group, a fairly large, you, we've all heard of the name of this company, uh, meetup group the other day. And I walked in and I knew half the crowd. And it's not because I'm special. It's because I, I was, I was just consistent and I was humble and I was a nice guy to everybody, you know, and I'm willing to work with people too. I'll help people out. You know, if I know a way that I can help you, um, I'm going to help you. I'm going to introduce you to the next guy. Totally. So you're growing your network. You're picking up mentors. Things are starting to take off. Take us into some of the nuts and bolts. I mean, obviously you're, you're buying these deals for next to nothing. You're probably figuring out more end buyers. You're probably starting to make more money on these deals, but ultimately that's not going to lead to the huge dreams that you have for your life. So tell us about like some of the stuff you're doing now and like, how does that fuel where you're headed? Yeah. So the, the I guess the nuts and bolts are almost the same. You're just selling now at a, at a, you're buying at a higher level. So now instead of selling, let's say it's mailing out to, you know, little desert communities where I was offering a small amount. Now I'm sending out to maybe more established communities, maybe in like the Colorado Rockies or something like that. Um, so it's just a bigger, I've just moved into a larger, um, I guess a larger market. There's a lot more, there is more competition. The dollar signs are much higher, um, but it's roughly the same, the same thing. I think, I think I'm answering your question, right? Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is, okay, so instead of buying a property for a thousand and selling it for five or 10,000, you're buying a property for 200,000 or 2 million and selling it for 3 million. Absolutely. And, and now previously I was selling on Facebook marketplace, um, you know, Craigslist, things like that. Uh, the guys that have 500,000 million dollar properties, they aren't playing on Facebook marketplace, you know, so you got to find these guys. Um, and a lot of times that's through connections, you know, it's through connections. You can buy and sell that way. Um, you know, there are certain places, uh, I, I don't mess around on like Zillow's or anything like that. Uh, I, I will go to the, there's land sites, uh, lands of America, you know, land watch, all these kinds of places. And you can sell properties there to, to better, to higher dollar buyers. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, I mean, Facebook is great for the, uh, for the smaller dollar properties. But if you want to get bigger, you got to move on to something else. So Tim and I have made most of our real estate money in single family, small multifamily, mobile home parks, those types of things. So pitch us on pitch us on land. So if if we're kind of thinking about ways to maybe either diversify or put our money to some, what what are some of the huge benefits of doing big land deals? Yeah, barrier to entry and return. Um, barrier to entry and return. Sorry, um, you can get in like I said for five hundred fifty bucks. You, know, you can test the waters and find out if this business works for a tiny fraction of probably what you guys are making now. Um, also, the, the the competition. There's such few, such less people in land than there is in wholesaling, fix and flipping, um, all these different real estate niches. You know, there's much less people in in land. And third, look at the returns. I mean, I don't do less than 300% returns. So you you ain't getting that in the stock market. You know, go ahead and find a guy that's doing you know. Uh, tax liens uh, for ten percent, twenty percent, and uh, and I'm, I'm doing three hundred percent, and that's about a minimum. So the returns are huge. Barrier to entry is is tiny. Um, I would say if for you guys, yeah, you could jump in at a higher level probably because you have more connections, you have more skills, right? You've been doing this for so long. You guys already, I mean, jumping into land would be probably fairly simple for you guys. Um, but for a brand new guy who's listening to this podcast. Hey, jump in right now. You can do it. You can buy property online for a hundred bucks, you know, buy it there, 
sell, try to sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Let's see how this thing works. The simplicity is, is, is almost unbelievable. Now, once you figure out the basic strategy here, you're going to have to add things like CRM systems, virtual assistants, all these other things. But the actual buying and selling of land is very easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not home inspections. There's not appraisal at that price. There's none of that stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't deal with anybody. Um, when I'm purchasing a property, sometimes I'll use a title company and you know, anything over probably 10 or 20,000, I'll use a title company. Anything under that, I'm not, I'm just going to buy the property myself. I can do my own title research. Uh, most counties nowadays have all their information online. You know, you can check, I can find it all there. I can, I write up the deeds. I send the mobile notary out to their house. I don't know. <laughs> so cool, man. <laughs> You've seen enough deeds now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you target the land that you are looking to purchase? Are you just buying data from somewhere and blasting people or, or are you specifically targeting specific regions? Are you looking for areas that are looking to potentially grow or, or what are your metrics? Or what are your targets when you're looking to buy land? Yeah, kind of all of those. Um, so I, I do use a data source to get all the the, ad, the names, addresses of all these these uh, sellers, right? You want to know who owns the properties in those areas. So you're going to have to have a data source of some kind just so that you can get the, the names and addresses basically to mail to. Um, now, as far as the area, the specific area, I like to buy land in places I'd want to go, right? So I live here in Denver. I know the mountains. You know, I know exactly where the, the nice areas are and it's most of the mountains are beautiful, right? So if I could go up there, buy property, um, that'd be great. So I stick to areas I would like to, to buy land in. And that goes across the country too. Now, one way to do that without living in the state is just go to Google Maps. You know, you can look overhead. Let's say I look overhead of, of Western, Northwestern Arkansas, right? It's trees, it's beautiful, it's little mountains. I can scroll in just with Google Maps, just a simple, quick 10 minute search. I can scroll in, I can do a street view, I can look around. Um, and then from there, I find out what type of, what do these properties go for? You know, I'll go to online sources typically to find out, um, you know, what the properties are selling for. From there, I'll go to my data source. I'll take all the data from that area and then I'll, I'll take all the information that I've learned you know, what the properties are selling for, who's selling the properties, and I'll mail them all out. So basically, so once you have your data source, how are you determining market? Um, so how am I determining market? Yeah, which market do you want to work? Or are you just mailing the whole U.S.? Oh, okay. Um, so I, t I stick to specific areas. I mean, right now it's the middle of the country. Middle of the country, Colorado, Wyoming, and maybe New Mexico is as far as west I go. As far as east I'll go. I mean, I'll do the southeast, so Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, but mainly it's the, the middle part of the country. Um, I, I try to stick to that area. I, those guys love their land. Um, you know, they love buying and selling land. And I, and I, I liken it to like a, um, it's like a status symbol, right? So uh, Tim, you're in Chicago, Matt, you're in California, right? If you guys pulled up at your local restaurant in a Ferrari, right? You're in a Ferrari. Everyone's like, wow. That guy's, that's awesome, man. He's a, he's a baller. He's doing really good, right? If you do that exact same thing at the Elks Club in eastern Oklahoma in a small town, they'd kick your ass, right? It's a different thing. However, if you came to that same Elks Club, sat down and told the guys, you own 80 acres in that cool place down, down the road that everybody knows about, now you're the big baller. 
right? It's all status. It's all, it's all, um, it, it, you have to like, uh, I don't know how to, how to say this. You have to work with your, your community, right? With, with your sellers, with your buyers. You've got to work with the right, that, those people. Um, and for them, land is, is status. Land makes you cool, I guess, in that area versus, you know, the Ferrari and, and other neighborhoods. Yeah, that's a great story. I love the metaphor that you have there. I'm, I'm really interested in like how you underwrite land. So land is quite a bit different from a single family house, right? Like, especially in my area, super dense, right? I could look in a mile, I could have 30 comps. It'll be very, very easy to comp a single family house. Now, the funny thing with land is it's very different because you often have to expand the parameters in order to find comps and stuff like that. And I feel like it's a lot easier to miss your value. And just for example, right? Um, like we had a land, um, a seller, and, you know, I looked at comps. I'm like, the house was worth $16,000 based on comps. And you need to tear down the house. So that'll cost 15 grand. We're going to take that off, off from $1,000. That's what we can give you for it. And maybe we'll be able to make some money. And then a couple of weeks later, he sold it for 27. I'm just like, that makes no sense. The comps did not support that. I don't get it. So like, what are your thoughts there? Because there's so many things that go into land. Like maybe if you find a commercial developer, he's willing to pay more than a residential developer, right? So like, how do you define, how do you underwrite it? Like, really, that's the question. So, I mean, I do look for, for, for comps. You know, obviously I look for the area, for, check the area for comps. Once you start working in a specific area, you kind of get it. You know what they're going for, um, just like you guys, I'm sure. You know, you know exactly what a house goes for in this specific street, in this specific part of town. That, that's a lot to do. Land is, is kind of the same. Um, one thing about land is, is you're, you're selling a lot of times uh, at an emotional level, okay? So with these properties, a lot of times they're rural vacant land. You are selling these properties nowhere near where these, these guys are living, right? Um, or maybe it's not super close. You're selling them a dream. Right. And as opposed to the suburban home that I'm going to be living in, you know, I'm going to live there because it's close to my job. It's close to my kid's school. And I have to live there. Now, this vacant land way out here, this is the dream. This is the, um, uh, the place you're going to go build your dream home. You're going to, you know, you're going to be able to hunt, fish, camp, all that stuff that you want to do. Um, so it's very emotionally based. So when you say comps, and you're like, there's no way that land is worth that. Well, it might be worth that to this particular guy. You know, it might be worth that because you're selling this dream, um, you know, that, that they're going to have that they didn't, that, that maybe nobody in their, their, their friend group has, right? Hope that makes sense. Yeah, so as far as comps go, there's not always, you're going to run into a lot of areas where there's no comps. That land, nothing has been sold for years. However, if I... You know, I mean, I can put pretty much whatever price I want on there if I think I can sell it for that that amount. Um, just because it's it's an absolutely emotional buy, and I mean, it's it's what these guys want. You know, it's what they really want. I've always wanted to own forty acres out there where I can hunt, fish. I mean, my kids can go there, my grandkids can go there. You know, we, this can be a, a, a lifetime legacy deal. You know, we could have this thing forever. So, um, you know, when I'm looking at comps, I do check the area as much as I can. But if I can't, I just try to go for a good price that they like, I like, and everybody. Wants. And so that's that's really more of the art of the deal as opposed to the science, because you're you're guessing like, okay, hey, somebody's going to fall in love with this property in this way, and then therefore it'll be worth this to them. And and so, 
<laughs> I'm like trying to make sense of it. I'm like, yeah, which I mean, obviously probably is why you're good in the arts. And, you know, I, I'm a math guy. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm kudos, man. That's super cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, my thought was going in the same direction because it's just like, I understand exactly what you're saying, the art to it. But I'm looking at the numbers and I'm just like, this doesn't How do you make know? sense to me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So I get it. I mean, it's awesome, though. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too. You know, you jump in, you start to figure things out. You do it a couple of times, and you're like, all right, this this kind of works. Um, but, yeah, I, I would definitely understand if you were in coming from maybe your world um, where it's 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 um, more math-related, you know, uh, it's, it's it'd be tough to jump into something like that. But maybe that's why it's worked so good for me. I was uh, the 2.0 again, man, the 2.0 GPA. That's why. Dumb luck, man. So let's talk about this. So let's say there's like, cause my degree is actually in math. And so let's say we wanted to make the transition. So when you find a deal that you're not certain of, do you a not buy it B only buy it if you get it way lower or C like, do you pre-sell your deals before you buy them? Like walk us through, like, if you're not certain, you can do all those. So I have a buyer's list too, that I'll send them out to. And especially like, I'll have a few people on that buyer's list, like big guy with shotgun. Um, They'll, they already know what they want. They, they, so I can tell them, hey, I'm about to buy this. You know, is this something that interests you? I, I can absolutely pre-sell something. Um, but uh, sorry, what was the rest of your question? I, 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 I kind of lost track there. Totally, yeah. So, so essentially the question was, you know, when you're uncertain, do you pre-sell them? Do you just back away? Do you renegotiate to where you, it's like it's so stupid low that you're like, this is a no-brainer? If it's stupid low, I take everything. I, I almost never turn down a deal. Um, here's why I will, if there's no access, I can't, I can't do it. Deeded access or just access period? Uh, no, so no physical or legal access. And there's, you get that a lot. You know, you get a lot of those in the middle of, especially like Wyoming, um, like Montana, these states don't have roads. There's just, there's, there's not a lot of roads out there. So you can buy this beautiful property, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'll, yeah, yeah, you really do. And, and if, if you got that, Hey, go for it. But um, so I, I typically, I either try to get it at a really good deal if there's no access, um, if there's easement access, so it's in writing, basically, there's not a physical road there, but it's in writing. We could bring a road in, you know, I'll, I'll work that out too. That has to, that gets worked into the deal though, too. So maybe it's not, I'm not offering the exact price I, I, I quoted them. It'll have to bring down a little bit just because of access, but I will buy almost everything. I'd like to get your take on a listing. I've got a listing in California, 500 acres. It's on this awesome lake. And there's a little bit of like, you know, land that's owned by the government, like this, that's on the waterfront, but it's, it's the closest thing to. So they've had what, yeah, the right around is the government. And then right behind them is, is where this land is. It's like five or six parcels, 500 acres. And so you've got gorgeous sunsets, gorgeous water views. It's very steep so on and so forth. Well, they've accessed the property through a neighboring property for 50 years, but no deeded access. And then there's a, a road that goes through the gate, the recreation gate, and there's no deeded access there. So there's two ways of getting the property. Neither of them are deeded. So if you're evaluating this piece of land, how, how would you think about it? Would you just not buy it or would you? Oh, I'd buy that. Man, that sounds like a great deal. Um, now, how the, the, the neighbor, so you have to cross somebody else's property to get to yours, right? They've been doing that for 50 years. So that's one of the two ways. So do we know the neighbor? 
are we able to communicate with them? They, they, they know them. The, I, I would not say that the, I would not bank on that relationship. Put it that way. Um, I would attempt, even though it's maybe not, you know, the best relationship, I would contact that neighbor. Ask, hey, is there any way we can, you know, write something up as far as like a small road easement deed or sorry, uh, you know, anything to get to the property um, first prior to buying anything um, because access is huge. If a new owner comes in and let's say the new owner wants to, you know, they want to build a house there uh, and then they find out after they've already done all that, hey, this, this area, this road we've been using to access this property, we don't want you to have it anymore. It's not yours anymore. Well, then you look like the bad guy, right? As the, as the guy who's bought and sold the land, you kind of tricked him into that. Um, so I would have something, something a little more solid uh, on, on a deal that big. You know, on, on, a, on a deal that size, if I'm selling like a $500 desert lot that has easement access, I'm not going to go to the neighbors. If I'm selling a 500-acre property in California with a lake access, I'm going to secure some things first. I want to make sure I can get there very first before. I that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to dial it back a little bit because you're talking about selling the dream. Um, so you're basically you're, you're leaning into people's emotions when you're selling the dream, right? So can we talk about what kind of strategies you use to sell the dreams? Sure, man. The, the ad, pictures, right? You have to have pictures. So when you put those ads out there, I want the best pictures that I can get. Sunsets. So I will pay. Yeah. What, what's that? Sunsets. Oh, yeah. You want it all. Sunsets, trees. Maybe if there's a deer walking around out there, you get that one in the picture. Um, I walked right up to an antelope once in, in uh, Wyoming. I mean, I was five feet away from this thing. I can see why they get their easy targets because I was just taking this picture and he just standing there like he was super photogenic. Um, but uh, so anyway. Um, Miles with a camera. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm getting these, um, uh, I get great pictures. Pictures is the big deal. Um, on these ads, you want pictures that are selling. You want them to feel the property, right? So I'll go out there and I usually have a photographer do the work for me. Um, but they'll go out, take pictures of, you know, the trees, the valleys, the, um, uh, maybe some animals. There's some animals on the property, right? There's the sunset coming down. You, you really want to sell this, this, this dream that they, they already had. I mean, you're not selling to people that didn't think they wanted to own land. These are, these are people that are already looking for the land. Um, you know, I went out and took a, a picture of an antelope once. I was out in this property in Wyoming in the middle of nowhere, and this antelope standing right next to the road. And so I pulled over, expecting him to run away, and he just stood there. And I'm maybe five feet away from this thing taking pictures, and I feel like I was doing like an like a Instagram, TikTok, like selfie or like, like photo shoot for this guy. But he didn't do anything. He just stood there. And then he like looks up and he kind of walks away. No big deal. But man, that was the front, the first picture on the ad, right? Because I was right next to this guy. And so for a hunter, they're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I want. Um, so pictures are the biggest thing. Sometimes we'll do drone videos, you know, drone videos showing the massive area out there, you know, how beautiful your property is. Um, drones are really, really good and, and super smart to use. Uh, even... You know, I, I see people use them in, uh, in residential real estate, uh, but in, in land, I mean, it shows this massive area. You know, you can see the mountains off in the distance. You can see the trees. You can see you know, the road access, all kinds of great things. Um, so it's pictures, video, because uh, you're, you're basically just selling them. It's a, it's a stagnant ad, right? It's not, you can't walk them out there and show them the property. So you got to make it as if they were out there looking at it themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a tremendous answer, man. So, I mean, 
Um, do you ever have to sell the land then? Like, do you get on a phone, like a sales call, essentially? Are you just basically, you're buying the land, you're marketing the land? Or just kind of give me an idea. Yeah, so I'll let you know how the process kind of goes, how it works. Once I get the, those, I send the letters out. My virtual assistants do everything for me, right? They send these, these, uh, these letters to the, um, the letter printing company. Letter printing company sends them all out to the sellers. Sellers all see these, these letters and respond. Now, I have an answering service. So the, the person answers the phone, they get this, uh, the, the, the seller on the phone, right? And the seller says, yes, no, F you, um, which is a pretty typical answer. Uh, and, but if they say yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how dare you um, break your knees, all that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> so, but the, um, if, if they say yes, you know, the person on the phone gives me a good report as to what, uh, what the seller was like you know, what property they're trying to sell, I will call them back myself. So I call these guys back. Hey, you know, here's the process. If you're still, if you're interested, you know, we have a rapport, we go back and forth. A lot of times, you know, they'll tell me about their lives, their kids, the property, what they've done on it. Um, you know, be a real human being when you're talking to these guys, you know, you, you want to be, you just want to talk to them. Don't, if you come across as, I just want to get this bought and, and I never want to talk to you again, it's going to be awkward. And if they have more properties to sell or they have their best friend has a property, their neighbor has a property, you're never going to talk to those people. So I actually like talking to people. So when I get these, when I make these calls, I get to talk to, you know, a grandpa who brought his grandkids out there and they used to fish in the lake down near that property. But you know what? He's, he's getting tired of paying taxes on it now and he just wants to get rid of it. So that's what I get to do. Um, once I uh, have, have, agreed to the terms, you know, we've agreed to the, the purchase price. Um, I will send a mobile notary out to their address with all the paperwork and their check. They give them the check, they give them the D, the, uh, the paperwork, we get it all signed. They send that into the county for me. County records the deed and now I got to sell this thing. So now I own the property. I will put it on, like I said, Facebook. Uh, I'll contact maybe some, the buyer's list. And then I will, I usually have template ads. So it's like a, a template uh, um, ad for a specific area, right? For each area has their own template ad. Uh, and then I will um, you know, sell the property there a lot of times on owner financing. So we'll write up a contract. Uh, you know, They will pay typically a down payment and then maybe like a monthly payment until it's paid in full. And then I deed it over to them and it's, it's all done. Tremendous. So one of the people we interviewed months ago talked about doing owner finance purchases and turning around and selling on owner finance. Are you doing some of that where essentially your acquisition of the property isn't paid in cash, but you're making term payments and then you're turning around and selling just on slightly better terms? No, I don't do that. I prefer to own the thing myself. Um, it's, it gets rid of all kinds of weird issues. You know, if, if here's the thing online these days on social media, if, if people think you're a scam, if they use that four letter word, you're toast. You know, if it gets out that you're a scam, you are toast. So I like to buy that property. I want it to be in, be in my business name so that anytime somebody calls the county, checks the county records, they see, oh no, he does own that property. He's not lying to you. That's a huge level of confidence they have now in you. So now they're willing to do the owner financing uh, on, on, the, on the purchase, end, on the sale end. Love it. They're, and that could take some time because some counties take three, four weeks or more to actually display that you're the owner. Yes. <laughs> Especially California. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Especially, oh yeah. my god, yeah, uh, it's been horrible there. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, what I'll have them do is call the county clerk and recorder, and sometimes I will call the clerk and recorder first and say, Hey, book page, this is how I got this property recorded, right? Um, somebody may be calling you and they're going to ask you about this, <laughs> do me a solid. Or I mean, it, it is recorded. It's not like you're you're lying, but it is like you said. Sometimes the assessor and the assessor's page won't show that property recorded for you know. Sometimes, like you said in California, a long time. It could be six months. It could be a year. They could update it once a year. Yeah, and that's a lot of holding costs just to be able to show somebody that you that you own it via those records. Yeah, yeah, and it's just weird. I, I'd much rather have it just simple, easy to understand, so that those guys don't go online immediately and say. Oh, this guy's a scam. Don't trust him. And then everybody else, you know how Facebook is or, or social media in general is. When one person puts scam, scam, I looked it up. He's fake. Every single other comment is negative. Every single one is negative. If the first comment is, oh, no, I looked him up. He's solid. This guy's been doing it for a while. Boom. Every comment is positive. You don't get any more, any more scams, at least for, for a while until they forget that the first guy said something nice. So what do you have going on next 12 to 18 months? Next 12 to 18 months, um, yeah, gosh. So we're obviously moving into bigger properties, buying bigger stuff, um, bringing on help uh, a lot too. I mean, I, I try to push my, put myself out of the business as much as I can. Um, you know, you don't want to work in the business. You want to work on the business, right? So um, as far as uh, that 12 to 18 months, a lot more automation, delegation, things like that. Uh, you know how it is. Anytime you own something, it's your baby, right? No one's going to do this as good as me. I'm the best. So bringing in help uh, is going to help me scale quite a bit bigger, especially in the larger properties. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing, man. That's 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 kind of how this business is going. Uh, I, I'll bring in more automation too. So uh, you know, automating a lot more services, a lot more. Uh, you know, I, I need to bring somebody else in that starts this process. So I'm not constantly looking at different counties for properties. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've, I've pulled myself out of a lot of the business, but um, you know, there's still, still big chunks that I need to get out of. Absolutely tremendous. Um, PJ. Yes, sir. Um, if the audience wanted to reach out to you, man, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Dude, I am everywhere on social media. Everywhere. And you'd think a guy my age shouldn't be there, but I am. So Facebook. Um, Facebook is just PJ Riley. I think it's, let's see, right there, if you can see it on the camera. Uh, PJ Riley, that works. On Facebook, uh, I'm on Instagram, PJ Riley. Uh, YouTube, it's Landlife, L-A-N-D-L-I-F-E. Landlife is on YouTube. Uh, TikTok, PJ Riley is Landlife. I couldn't just get regular Landlife on TikTok. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, PJ Riley, shockingly enough. Um, guys, if you want to, if you want to do land business like I do, if you're interested in doing land, you want to learn exactly how I did it. I had to put together a course because I was getting you know, quite a few people saying, hey, man, um, how do I do this? And I was honestly simply running out of bandwidth to be able to help a lot of people. So landlifecourse.com, super simple, super affordable course, just me talking about land. Uh, yeah, and hit me up. Let's talk shop too. I can, uh, I'm on everywhere. Awesome, man. This has been a lot of fun. I mean, you got a ton of fun stories. Um, 
obviously you're crushing it out there in the land business. Anybody out there looking to get into land, looking to get into something that is um, lower risk, lower cost, potentially make a lot of money. I think reaching out to PJ might not be a bad idea. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time, one action at a time. So go out there, take massive imperfect action like our guy PJ here has been doing his whole life. And before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom too. So until next time, have a nice day.